0: And there's a lot of people out there they are like, oh, they won't give me studio time. I can't record in the proper blah, blah, blah. I'm just not gonna do anything. And what you don't realize is there's always, if you are building something amazing, you're always gonna lack. In some area you're gonna lack. It's just inevitable. You're never gonna be in a situation where everything you do always has everything lining up. So if you only move when everything lines up, you're just gonna have a, a long list of what would be dope if you did them. Meanwhile, you got people like us over here where it's like, okay, I went and painted the house with this dude. Do I want to paint houses all the time? No. But am I willing to paint houses all the time? Yes. You want to know why I'm willing to paint houses? Because you only got to do it once a year. If I can dedicate one day out of the year to go paint this house so I can go and rent it for, and make $12,000, I think that's a day well spent, Raphael.
1: Put some respect on my name.
2: Tweet Talk episodes 122.
1: What it sounds like to be the best This is a Black Wealth Podcast Build wealth, invest, own and close the wealth gap It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host Mr. Todd McGonagher himself, Charles Oglesby and Raphael Husband Episode King of Detroit I'm the King of
0: Detroit
2: Welcome, welcome to Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast With your hosts myself raphael husbands and my partner charles oglesby the third jd where we break down financial tweets and talk about building black wealth what's happening charles
0: just out of just being the king of detroit man um watching the kanye documentary which is an amazing documentary man and and then also what's amazing about kanye isn't just the documentary we always focus on like the news that he's putting out but if you go back and you listen to old Kanye, Kanye been dropping like real stuff since the first album. I was listening to Late Registration, and which is the second album. But I was listening to Late Registration. He was talking about like crack music. Um, he was talking about um, materialism. He was talking about like politics, talking about how like we play into the system and like all these different things. Like he's always been kind of controversial. People just didn't really realize that he was controversial. I guess because he was saying things they'd agree with, which is kind of interesting to me because I was watching this Earn Your Leisure podcast with the Jamaican dude, and the Jamaican dude has a lot of opinions that I think in America would be deemed conservative, but it's really not a conservative viewpoint. It's just an intelligent viewpoint that not might not be commonly promoted. So uh, if you don't if you don't know who I'm talking about, it was the. Bounty Killer episode. I never even heard of this dude. Apparently he's a big deal. Yeah, so I never heard of him. You're on mute, I think. But you know, just out here, I have I have so much going on, so many, so much going through my head. I need to go to sleep, but I can't go to sleep because I got a, a lot of stuff to do. So just out here in Detroit, trying to make Detroit great again.
2: Yeah, uh Bounty Killer is a pretty big dude in the reggae scene. Um, been around for like a couple decades already, I think
0: bounty killer
2: yeah and his the, the verse between him and beanie man was was like big it was like huge because they were like enemies like serious we oh, really? really thought people really was going to get hurt or killed or whatever and to see that and the they did the verses they were actually they actually did it in person on a stage together so it was like people were like oh that's crazy and it was cool to see but um
0: how how, how relevant is Jamaican culture to Barbados culture?
2: Um, Pretty relevant because Jamaica is the they're kind of like, they're the big monster on the scene as far as like reggae music goes. So they kind of got they kind of impact the entire Caribbean mm. at, least to, at least for sure the English speaking Caribbean because we all know their music. Yeah. You know, like uh, as far as reggae goes, uh, Barbados isn't as big. So, you know, we got artists that hit here and there, but Jamaica Canila is the big dog.
0: You know, know what's interesting is I just realized something because Jamaica and Barbados, to my knowledge, are like independent countries. Right. Like Mm -hmm. they're not a colony of anybody else. Nobody owns them. And I think that the conversation and the topics like the reason why we've been able to kind of work together for a while is because we kind of think the same. And so you don't get offended when I say certain things that other people might get offended by. But <laughs> like, how dare you say folks don't want to work? Like, <laughs> bruh, they don't want to work. Like, And I think that as as he was talking, he's from Jamaica, and a lot of his statements were very, could be deemed conservative. And your statements can be, be deemed conservative if you shared more of them. And I think it's just interesting because it's not a conservative thing, it's a, it's a liberated thing. It's an empowered thing. It's not. So when we talk about politics, it becomes like, oh, you're liberal, you're conservative. But that's not really it. It's like, are you are you empowered? Do you feel empowered to go out there and create your future? Because if the people who aren't creating their future aren't doing it because that's just the life they chose. They're doing it because they just don't feel like they can. And then you have people who are creating it. And it's not because they just chose that. It's because they feel as though they can do these things. And so it's not even a mindset, it's more, it's not even a, a political thing, it's more of a mindset thing. Do you feel empowered? Do you feel like you can build your own private security company? I remember when I put that out there and I was like, man, if y'all don't if y'all want to help start curbing uh police brutality, let's build our own police station, let's put our own police facility. We can't do that, we can't do that. I was driving through this predominantly African American neighborhood called uh, Palmer Village or something, Palmerston Farms or something, something like that in Detroit. And it, apparently it's like where all the affluent black folks live. And you walk in there and there's a big sign that says this is patrolled by private security. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we just don't know shit. Not only do not only can we do the things people think we can't do, it's already been done. And that's what makes Detroit so dope. And I tweeted this and I was talking about how there's a lot of really, really cool things in Detroit, but we never get the empowered statements about Detroit. We'd never hear anything about black people and being empowered in Detroit. It's always racism. You know, that movie they made, it was called Detroit and it was about just racism. The whole movie was about racism. Remember that? I didn't watch that one. It was a terrible movie. I think I watched like a third of the movie and I was like, I'm not watching this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I just I have no desire to watch stuff like that. It just was not. A, it, it, I didn't want to watch it, and uh, but that's what we get. Or we get like drugs. Oh, like the other movie about Detroit was about White Boy Rick and them selling drugs and selling drugs at a drug house. It's like that's what we get about Detroit. But that's not what Detroit's about, man. And so you you don't realize like now, like a lot of the black folks here are just chilling, just living. They ain't trying to rob you. They ain't trying to stick you up. They are just trying to make their money and have a great time. But you would never get that. I went to a restaurant. It just feels like family in there. It was so weird. We went to the restaurant. I don't know. You don't experience this stuff in California. But like I was sitting there and the waitress comes up to me and she was like, hey, uh, one of the bartender. uh, What she say? She said, like, she said that girl over at the bartender or the the bar wanted me to give you this. And uh, it was like a folded up piece of paper. And uh, I like opened it up and it was her phone number. And uh, like, I think they're waiting to see if I was going to like say anything. So we ate our food. And I just like got up and I just left it there. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to try to holler at you, girl. You wilding out. That's what she was expecting. At least she was kind of disappointed. But I was like, you got to disappoint these women. I'm not going like, I, I'd i rather disappoint some strange chick than, you know, if you know what I mean. Anyway, welcome to the Tweet Talk podcast episode, King of Detroit. And I'm the King of Detroit. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's interesting. We
2: were seeing you started off talking about uh, Barbados and Jamaica being independent. We were a part of the Commonwealth. We were under England for so long. Um, that's why you get like, kind of like the conservative type vibe from Caribbean people, because we were under Britain for so long. And growing up, like we still get like British TV and stuff like that. We mm-hmm. obviously didn't get the independence till 1966, you know. But recently we became a republic. So now instead of having a prime minister or just having a prime minister, now we have a president. <laughs> This just happened a couple months ago. What that means exactly, I'm not even sure because I don't pay that much attention to politics, honestly. But um, what's funny though, when I think about like the Bounty Killer, like people gotta remember, like you don't have to have the biggest fan base to be the man. Like you never even heard of this dude in the Caribbean. Like everybody knows this guy. He's been making money handling fists for decades now like big time and he doesn't need i mean he's 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 also pretty well known in in america too if if you're into that type of music if you're into that type of music but you know and like his arch enemy or former arch enemy beanie man like that guy he had some major like, success in, in I, know, I know i've heard of beanie man yeah but beanie man was doing it he was recording since he was like five professionally since he was like five years old so that wow. guy has been doing it for a long time you know wow. like, you don't need to have mainstream success to make it necessarily
0: Mm -hmm. that is so true man and that's why i like artists like currency and larry june and what they represent because they don't necessarily have like the little baby or all that kind of accolades per se or budget behind them in terms of marketing but they're still very financially successful and they're still in the same space they're still rappers they still get on the beat and they still do what they do but one of the things that I like mostly about independent rap is they get to talk about things that build you up instead of just talking about a bunch of ignorant shit. And so they're talking about getting your credit, right? Talking about not getting to watch with a bunch of diamonds on them, talking about all these different really cool things. So you're right. You don't have to have like this huge following. Another example of that that was interesting is I was talking to, uh, I know this wholesaler, we kind of hang out. We're like, he's got like my Detroit friend. So I'm not mm-hmm. out here in Detroit by myself. And uh, he was telling me about how there's, there's people from Detroit, who moved to California, who became pretty successful and popular. And he was like, do you know her? I was like, I never heard of her at all. <laughs> she got a bunch of followers, super successful, super popular, making all these skits. We live in the same city area for the most part. Never heard of her. And he showed me like three people. I literally never heard of these people, but they're successful and they're popular. And it's just, it's crazy that you can kind of create your own little ecosystem of success without being diddy popular or lebron james popular it's really interesting
2: yeah and that's and that helps too with um when you see somebody doing somebody major doing something that you're thinking about doing like maybe you're thinking about doing a course or teaching on a subject and you see so many people out there already doing it the funny thing is that you start you start teaching or putting out a product and you attract your your people to you your tribe your fans they will never even heard of other people like I talked to somebody, i mentioned Earn Your Leisure podcast. Earn Your Leisure is a monster in the game. And they were like, oh, I never heard of it. And mm-hmm. if it was like a Tweet Talk fan. They're like, oh, this is you every week. That's crazy. They never heard of Earn Your Leisure before. That is insane. You know what I'm saying? So you never know. And that's why it takes all kinds. Like, it's sad to me when people at a certain level kind of like put people down for like, man, you ain't ready yet to be teaching. Like, you just started. Yeah. Six months ago, because everybody needs somebody closer to them. Like everybody's not can't be your customer. Like some mm. people get intimidated. Like there's some people that will not buy a stock course from somebody who's a major investor because they're intimidated. They want somebody closest to them, and they just they want to learn how to open an account. They don't want to learn candlesticks and all these trends. They want to learn how to actually download an app and how to fund their account and open an account because they don't even know. And yeah. I thought about that recently. I'm like. Man, there are people that just need that, that like, I could be teaching, because people at my job are asking you little, little questions, but you got not to think like that, man. Are people know, there are people at all levels that need what you have.
0: Mm-hmm. And they might buy your course and buy the other person's course, too. It's not, you don't have to choose. <laughs> like, right. oh, which course am I going to buy? Both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. the above. Right.
2: Now, Charles, you had a tweet. Now, I think let's touch back on this real quick. Mr. King of Detroit, you touched on it already, but you had a tweet where you said they always highlight the racism in Detroit, but not the abundance of black business and black wealth that racism tends to create
0: mm, a lot of layers to that tweet. But I'm always amazed when I'm in Detroit and I see all this black wealth. Um, is there black poverty? I think so. But even the poverty looks good out here. <laughs> Mostly like looking good in their poverty. But like, you'll see Maybach's, see Rolls Royce's, big old, huge, nice homes, all black owned businesses, black owned, we were just at a black owned restaurant last night. And it's just interesting that that is the media has an agenda, Mm -hmm. we can all agree to that. But we also got to realize, like, okay, if we know the media has an agenda, when we see things, and we start developing opinions based off of those things, we got to check whether those opinions are legitimate. And so when people were kind of reshaping the narrative of Detroit. And I was having a conversation with somebody and we were talking about how, like you have all these wealthy black homes Mm -hmm. in one part of town. And then uh, my contractor, his family owns a really nice home in a a nice part of town. Like a lot of black people own homes in nice parts of town in Detroit, like parts that you can't afford to live in right now. Black people lived in those. And we never get that side of the story. We never get that side of the story. We never get the, the story about um the black billionaires and the black titans and the hr Russells and the the, all that stuff but we consistently get an emmett till movie or we'll get a uh when they see us or we'll get something like that that's always a narrative and a part of it is because we're not telling those stories but i just want to waken people up to the realities of detroit and if more people were aware of the realities of the detroit then they would be they would probably feel better about investing in detroit and living in detroit and becoming a king in Detroit because you can become a king here where you have multiple homes. You got inventory that you're sitting on. Whereas in California, you'd be like if you get one home. In California, I know folks who still ain't got a home and they 40. Like then you still ain't got a home? But you can go to Detroit and get 10. That don't make no sense to me. <laughs> it makes no sense to me. And so I just feel like that's why the media like this is important. And that's why we're gonna, that's why I'm starting to do my Detroit conversation talk show. I'm probably gonna try to record that in person here um i don't know who i'm gonna get i might just end up getting romeo on the show again it might just get me and romeo talking about detroit every thursday every wednesday but um i think it's important that we shape the narrative we show the good stuff because think about it if not for all these podcasts people wouldn't think they could get into toro they can get into airbnb they can get into stock options, they can get into real estate investing they can get it from ground up development they can get into all these different things we'd all we do The reason why people think that there's only sports entertainment is because that's the only people they see on TV is sports entertainers. But now you can turn your TV right here. You can see somebody who just made a bunch of money with vending machines. You can turn your TV. You can see somebody who made a bunch of money with trucks. You can turn your TV. You can see somebody who made a bunch of money doing what selling courses and digital products. We, We control the narratives. So I just want us to know that Detroit used to be a very prosperous area, but also a very racist area. And so I was thinking, I was like, wow, that's interesting because we only get the racism side. They never show us the black wealth that racism creates. So we're, we're only seeing one thing. We're thinking, oh, poverty, racism. And we don't realize like, no, no, it used to be lit despite mm-hmm. the racism because and this is why. And, and so the reason why I share that is I was going to say like, OK, like racism creates wealth. Racism is a wealth creator and integration is a wealth destroyer. And so we need to switch up our narrative and start saying like, we never seen people hustle harder until they thought the president didn't like it. People was grinding, Raphael. People was collaborating. They were sharing. They was promoting. They was helping. It was business, 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 business. And we we saw it. The, The whole narrative changed. And now the whole narrative is shifting to tech jobs. Everyone wants a tech job now. Everyone wants a job, 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 job. And so... I just, I bring it up because it was a revelation to me that racism and wealth go hand in hand. And also that we gotta stop letting the media tell the story of black Detroit. And we gotta start sharing the stories of black Detroit because a lot of times you don't learn about the history of black Detroit until you talk to somebody who was from Detroit and they start telling you like, oh yeah, this happened here and this happened there. And this person did this and this person did that. And you don't even know that there's all this greatness in this city because all we know about is drugs and crime and killing and murders. And we do ourselves a disservice because I think that almost every prosperous black city that now just gets talked about as crime and murder was once just filled with entrepreneurs and investors and business owners and real estate investors, just filled with it. It wasn't rare, it was filled with it.
2: Yeah, it's like it's like they said, um Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma was not the only Black Wall Street. It was a Black Wall Street. People just learned about it like what, 20 years ago. That's when I first learned of, of Tulsa, Oklahoma, Black Wall Street. But Back then, it was like one of the Wall Street, Black Wall Streets in America. And it's funny, Um, when you were talking earlier about people not trying stuff because they didn't know it was possible, uh, it reminded me of a story, well, not a story, but something that happened today at my job, um, I was in a room and this, this Spanish guy at work, he he was on the phone, he had, a, he had a phone call, he was on the phone, as soon as he got off the phone call, he turned to me and he's like, oh, so-and-so just got, she just got her house. So basically it was like, a, Spanish guy, this black lady that uh reports to him at my job, he had kept encouraging her to, to try to get a house, get a house, get a house. She lived in the hood, and he's like, Man, you got these kids, and you know, you paying all this rent, you live in the hood, whatever, whatever, like get your house. And he said he was working on her for like a year. And she kept saying, like, oh, but you don't understand, you know, like, like her situation, like they want to give them mortgages to like certain type of people, whatever. And he said he kept pushing her. He's like, listen, you listen, to, you, you're talking to somebody that had like three properties already. Mm. Like, don't listen to your friends in the hood because they don't want you to move out. Mm. You know, like, listen to me. Like why? He's like, he's he turned to me. He's like, why is she listening to her friends that live in the hood and never had nothing? Mm. They said Listen to somebody that had three properties already. I'm like, I don't know, man. I guess you just gonna see it. And he said he worked on her, worked on her. And she was worried about them checking out credit and they're not going to approve her. And I guess her husband, I don't know if he had some kind of record or something. And he said, he told her, listen, they don't care about that. They're looking at your income and see if you could pay the money back. And you only learn if you try it, man. And he said, he pushed her and pushed her for six months before she started doing anything. And then now she got her house. And he was like, man, they got a nice like, four bedroom house. And he's like, the kitchen looks way better than mine. It's like they, they gutted it, renovated it. And said, he said, stuff looks beautiful. And she's like, it's, she's so happy because now her kids got a backyard and
0: all these kind of things. But you never know until you try. The sad part about it, man, is like all this is new. Like our grandparents had homes. They didn't know any different. And mm-hmm. so like all this helplessness was learned and taught. Folks been grinding. This this, like, and this is why it can be frustrating sometimes because the way my lineage is, is situated is my grandfather, he retired twice in the Navy. He handled his business. He was sharp. He was well-presented um he, he was a good human being and he had kids who did the same exact thing mm-hmm. and then my parents had us and so I've mentioned this on the long on, on the show before but like my lineage is long like my family I come from a good family like throughout generations and so for me I'm not looking at a bunch of like bums I mean now interestingly enough and it's sad, but like a lot of my cousins didn't amount to much. I have like two older cousins that have, I think accomplished some great things, but like none of my cousins are doing what I'm doing outside of those two. And I think the difference between them might be that they got married. And I think marriage kind of settled them down and kind of made them more productive. And maybe it's done the same thing for me, <laughs> would' i be in the streets. <laughs> but, uh, but it's just sad because I don't think it has, it doesn't have to be our reality. And it shouldn't be our reality. And we have to wake up. And I never have to have this conversation until we have a liberal president. When we have a liberal president, we have to constantly tell folks like, nah, fam, that ain't what it is. What you think it is, is not what it is. And now it's back to having to go back to square one with folks, where we got to talk about group economics. we got to talk about empowerment. we got to talk about doing for self and building things, where before we were there and then we took one step forward and now we're taking two steps back with firing so it's just it's it's interesting it's sad but the the crazy part about it is she proved that it wasn't true the limited beliefs that she had that was likely being put into her by other people in her environment she proved that they were not true and so we're going around spreading misinformation holding each other back it's sad man yeah man um So I wanna get into
2: this, go back to this segment called Black Billionaire Banter. And for this episode, we're gonna talk about Kanye West and Donda 2. I haven't heard it yet. I definitely haven't heard it. And how he made the decision that he was only gonna release Donda 2 with his new uh, hardware, his stem player, that cost 200 bucks. And that was the only way he was was gonna get it. Let's say he made like a
0: two million in like three days. Did you see that that story? Mm -hmm. Kanye, you know what's interesting about Kanye is folks see Kanye do stuff and we just think he just started doing this stuff. And that's the dopest. That's another dope part about the documentary. Um, I was watching it and one of the quotes that resonated with me is Dame Dash was like, man, Kanye is an entrepreneur. He said he's he's promoting himself as we speak. They said he's walking around with somebody filming him as he's just living life. Not even signed. Like, look at think about that. Imagine if I just had somebody walking around filming me all the time. People are gonna be like, "Who is this guy? He ain't nobody." Why you got somebody filming you? That's the way they see it. Mm-hmm. But it's like Kanye just thought different, and a lot of it does come from your upbringing and your mom instilling confidence in you, which is very very important. I can't wait to be that for my son but um not a mom but you know the person who still has the confidence in him but it's just kanye's been doing this kanye got himself on mtv without a deal he was on unsigned hype and like that helped him get a deal so like all the things he was doing to try to kind of get himself known is what got himself the deal which is just really cool so Anything Kanye does, I know is brilliant. Yeah, man. I
2: thought that was that's what he called a power move, man. And nobody ever thought about that. I mean, the closest scene to that actually was uh Jay Z. I don't know if you remember when he um I forget which emblem that was Blueprint three, maybe you could only get it through um if you got a Samsung phone.
0: Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was a while back. I almost forgot yeah, about that. I think that I think that, that wasn't blueprint, I think it was Magna Carta Holy Grail. Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
2: I mean, even that was kind of revolutionary back then. But um, you know what's funny, man? I don't understand because I, I grew up on '90s rap, and the things that rappers were doing in the '90s, I don't really see them doing it today. Like what? Well, I mean, you see it sometimes, but not it's not on the level that I would expect it to be. In the '90s, is in the late '90s is when you had well, '94 Wu Tang came out with the RZA, and they came out with a revolutionary deal where they were getting they were getting paid like real artists, like the white artists. And they had signed a deal where they could sign individual deals with any label that they wanted to. Like the label that signed them as a group did not own their individual rights. That was revolutionary. Yeah. In 97, NASA came out and did an 85 15% uh, profit split with Universal. That was revolutionary. Owned all his masses, all these kind of things. And then 20 plus years later, you see people still trying to get label deals and signing their life away. Like you still see some independent people, but not on the level you would expect.
0: You know, I think that they had to adjust and they had to make it lucrative to get a deal where. I don't know if they were getting million dollar checks and they were signing deals back then. I don't know what record labels looked like back then, but um, I think that plays a part. They had to find a way to say, all right, well, you can go, you could grind it out yourself or you can get this fat check right here. I mean, a part of it could be the information we're being fed because, I mean, I think Master P did turn down a million dollar deal, but I don't think he turned down a million dollar deal when he didn't have a name. I think he turned down a million dollar deal after he'd already produced some stuff and been seen as, as actually doing things. I'm not sure. I remember watching the document. I'm not sure the timeline of things, but I'm pretty it, sure he had already put out some work.
2: Yeah, put out some work, but he wasn't known nationwide yet. But he was known where he was at. Yeah, he was in like like Richmond, California. Oh, I remember. Funny. He was it from New so
0: Orleans. That's so weird to me.
2: Yeah, but what it was is that he was from New Orleans. His grandfather died, left them some insurance money. And he said his brother, his older brother got killed or his younger brother. One of his brothers got killed and he was like, I'm tired of this violence and all this nonsense. He just picks up and moves to Richmond, California mm. and it started over. And then he bec- decides to become a rapper while he was over there because he was like, he opened his own record store at right. like 19 and he's yeah, like, record
0: store.
2: he's like, wait a minute, man. I I see what sells because I'm, I'm on the other side. I'm on the business side of this thing. I Which see what helps. sells. See. So he just built a studio in the back and started rapping. That's dope.
0: Though, for a lot of reasons, the yeah, fact that even he went into the actual selling of records as opposed to just like buying records is smart, and then seeing the opportunity and capitalizing on it, which is a lot of times what happens when you're in the business. When you're in the business and you're doing things, that exposed you to opportunities in that lane. That's dope.
2: Yeah, and he had he saw a vacuum. He saw he saw opportunity, and he had a means of distribution. Like <laughs> he built his own studio in the back. She keeps his course down and then he has the store to sell
0: the music. Yeah it's so interesting. It's like man imagine if black history was just learning that stuff. Like Black History Month we're gonna learn how Master P learned no limit and I want to hear a book report on how Master P started on his own record labels. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, right right but nowadays it's like you Teach me how to bed. yeah and then <laughs> It was like at back then it started to get popular because the underground art artists, the independent artists were making more money than the major label artists. Like you sell a million records, but the guy in the street who's, who sold a hundred thousand records made more money because he's making eight dollars a CD instead of like 30
0: cents. And that was one of the things kind of going back to the Kanye statement that they were saying, like he made 2.2 million, but he only had to sell like 200,000 units or 20,000 units, whatever that number might have been. And they're saying, like, in order to make that same amount of money, you have to sell so many more records or get so many more spins because we're in the era where it spins. Streamy, yeah. And you know how many streams you have to have to make real money? A bunch. Millions. millions, millions. Recondition your thinking, y'all. What can you do? <clears throat> it's funny because I was, I was sitting here and I was like, I was going to give away that thing for free. I'm not giving away that thing for free. We're going to sell that thing. We're going to sell it. We're going to make some money. I'm going to be like, hey, how to how to invest in the stock market webinar? Five different strategies you can be using to make money in the stock market. I be, I guarantee you some money will be made. Dig it. Let's Nothing dig free. It. Nothing free. They don't respect free. I'm not doing free. If it's free, it's going to be something very fundamental and basic. I'm not putting no effort and energy into the free. No more. No, that is what keeps you poor. Aggressively doing things that underpay you keeps you poor. But mm. if you aggressively promote. At your value or more, you're good. So that's where we at, fam. And you got a tweet where you said being cheap is expensive. Yep. And I think it was as it relates to the the Chargers and how we don't want to play talent. We don't want to pay talent. And it's just it's an unintelligent way to run a sports franchise because you look at the franchises that do really well and they pay. The Yankees pay. The Dodgers pay. Granted, the MOB is different in terms of salary cap. I don't think even have a salary cap. Uh, which I think they should do away with. But you look at teams like the Rams, you don't have to just pay with money sometimes. Sometimes you can just pay with draft picks or you can pay with uh, future draft picks. Like that's how the Lakers build their franchise in the salary cap industry. Um, or you convince players to do certain things because you've built up a culture of winning. And so they really spoke to like the Chargers and how we've had talent in the past. We let them walk with a Hunter Henry walk and he goes to the Patriots, he balls. We let uh, Melvin Gordon walk over money and he goes and he balls. Granted, Mel and Gordon didn't do it the right way. And I think that's part of the reason why he didn't get paid is because the way he went about it is a way that owners don't want to incentivize players to get their way. But we just let a lot of really good players go and they wonder why we struggle. They wonder why we're not consistently a playoff team. We're not in a, t- a difficult division. The, the Broncos aren't a, d- a difficult team. The Raiders have good years and bad years. We're not in a difficult division. Of course, the Chiefs have lately been a really, really good team, but like still, if you have a good record, it doesn't matter if you play the Chiefs twice. You can you can afford to lose a few games as long as we beat up on the other teams. So just being cheap is expensive, but being intelligent with your money is also not a form of being cheap. And a lot of times people miss, people, people miss that. They think that you're just supposed to just throw your money around and spend all your money, and it's so interesting. People, they get so shocked when I do certain things. They're like, you have money. Why would you do that? Mm-hmm. Because I, I want to always have money. That's why. <laughs> I don't want to have money and then just – Think everything changes. Like I, I told my mom, like I bought some $50 shoes. She's like, Why'd you buy $50 shoes? You can go buy designer. I was like, I don't want to buy designer all the time. I'm over there painting this house. And uh, and the guys and the guys like, man, you're over here painting this house? Like, you could pay somebody to do that. Like, yeah, if they want to do it for a fair price. But if you're gonna gouge me, I'm not doing that. I'm not paying you two thousand dollars for something I can get done for four hundred dollars. But now I know, and now I know the way to get a house painted is to go get you some labor from Home Depot and call it a day, not to uh pay a painting company. <laughs> they're just going to do the same thing it doesn't make any sense so that's all i'm saying it's like it's going to catch up to you but mostly it has something to do with sports give me one second
2: mm-hmm. hey tweet talk going on people be sure to follow us on twitter Follow the podcast at tweet talk pod it's- tweet talk pod on twitter follow myself Raphael on twitter at work money life follow my partner charles on twitter at real todd billion because he's the only real one out there. there's some some fake ones out there trying to scam people out of money but sure to follow the real one at real todd billion on twitter follow us on instagram at tweet talk podcast follow my charles my partner charles on instagram at todd billion and also at Todd.capo. that's the parent company in the
1: chat drop it city and state any questions drop in the chat ready to answer some questions tonight yo it's the options trading workshop presented by Tide capital learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn twenty thousand dollars in side money in one year while working the job and running multiple businesses that's right learn the what the where and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar to find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio on Instagram at Partner With Millie or on Instagram at Todd.capital or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. So, speaking of content, yeah, you had a tweet. You said,
2: Success, Successful people turn everything into a win, not just the good things.
0: Man, I think I got that from I was reading the Will Smith movie, the Will Smith book, and he was talking about how <coughs> in the book Alchemy and the book The Alchemist, which is one of his favorite books, it talks about how you could turn anything into a good situation. And um, that's kind of how I approach life, man. A lot of us end up in entrepreneurship out of a bad situation, a non-fun situation, an unpleasant situation that pushed us into like, you know what, I'm gonna just do this on my own, I'm gonna just build this on my own. Even situations where it's like contractors are overcharging me or sending me invoices that don't make sense, I just become better. And so, like the interesting thing about like being a general contractor. Is you only got to build one house before you can be a general contractor. Like once you build it, you're like I I understand what's going on here. Like you ask the questions of the of the subs, be there on site. You're like okay, what's this? What's this? What's this? What's this? And they explain it to you, and then you know what to expect, and so then you can bid your, your stuff out better. And so I'm getting some really really good bids um, now that I can take to some other homes. Come finding better contractors and getting better labor and cheaper labor that makes sense which is allow us to do some homes that we might not have been able to do in the past. So anyway, I just, I, I like it because listening or watching the whole Kanye story, I was talking about how he went through that car accident and they said he almost lost his life and he made like one of the greatest rap songs ever made. Like that honestly was a hit record. The sample was amazing. And then also like to even think of that as the, the sample, like through the fire, right. through the wire, like that is just really creative. And then all the different things like who just thinks of this stuff? I mean, if you have time and that's what you do for a living, maybe it makes it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But I just like that um, he flipped that into a positive. And I was also watching the documentary and they were saying like for when he was recording the college dropout, Rockefeller wouldn't actually give him studio time. And so he was borrowing studio time from everybody else. So like Jamie Foxx had a studio in his house. And so the song that he made with Jamie Foxx, he recorded it in his studio. And then the song that he, I think, recorded with Ludacris, like they figured out how to do that some way also. He was just like borrowing studio time. And another, I think, form of alchemy is just making something like, he made a whole hit album off of just pulling pieces together. And there's a lot of people out there that are like, oh, they won't give me studio time. I can't record in the proper blah, blah, blah. I'm just not going to do anything. And what you don't realize is there's always, if you are building something amazing, you're always going to lack in some area you're gonna lack. It's just inevitable. You're never gonna be in a situation where everything you do always has everything lining up. So if you only move when everything lines up, you're just gonna have a long list of what would be dope if you did them. Meanwhile, you got people like us over here where it's like, okay, I went and painted the house with this dude. Do I want to paint houses all the time? No, but am I willing to paint houses all the time? Yes. You want to know why I'm willing to paint houses? Because you only got to do it once a year. If I can dedicate one day out of the year to go paint this house so I can go and rent it for, and make $12,000, I think that's a day well spent, Raphael. <laughs> Especially if the person out there wanted to charge me $6,000 to turn this unit. It doesn't cost that much money to turn a unit. It does not. But they just think they can take an advantage of you. They think they can hustle you and all this stuff. And I'm not going to do it anymore. But now my strategy is, I'm going to just get two dudes. I go to Home Depot. I get the paint. I get the rollers. I know what I need now. I get the tape. And we're just going to work as a team. We're going to knock this thing out. Because that's the the advantage that the Mexican people have is they work fast because they put a bunch of people on a task. And so we're over here making one person do it all. When they're like, nah, we're just going to have five of us. We're going to chip in. We're going to knock it out. And we're going to look like superstars. Because the team makes you look like a superstar. He's not a superstar because he's superhuman. He's a superstar because he got six of them fools and they get in there and they get to work. And if you have six people working with you, your workload is actually easier. You don't got to work as hard when you got six of y'all. And so you look like you're doing more than you actually are. So really, a lot of this stuff goes together. But I'm just encouraging everybody that you might be in a crappy situation. Flip that. I was in a crappy situation about four months ago. I flipped it. And now I don't drink alcohol and I'm a million times better person. And that was relevant. That was recent. And I got into a class. I'm getting more education on that. And I actually became better for not being in a good situation. And so um, it wasn't a DUI or anything. (laughs) That's probably what you're thinking. It wasn't a DUI. <laughs> Actually, I
2: didn't but, even that even I didn't even think of my mind I kept thinking to myself, what the heck is he talking about? That didn't even uh,
0: cross my mind. I'll tell you off air. But nevertheless, um, I turn it into a win. I turn it into a win and I turn everything into a win because that's what winners do. If you're a winner, you don't win just because like you won. I'm a winner either way. Even if I lose, I win. Even if I fail, I win because of my mindset and my ability to get back up. A winner is somebody who gets back up. A winner is somebody who keeps pushing. A winner is somebody who perseveres. Because quite honestly, I was dusting my hands at these things. But having the skill set to do all these different things in this house makes you like immortal because there's there's nothing a tenant can throw at you now. Like even with the floor that we're laying down, I'm like, all right, worst case scenario, they F up the floor. I know how to put down floors. It's not going to take me that long. I got people who can do the labor. We think it's really this difficult stuff. It's really not that difficult. It's like putting a puzzle together, laying mm-hmm. down floors, like putting a puzzle together or putting stickers on paper. <laughs> and it's actually easier than a puzzle because you already know where everything goes. The most difficult part about it is just cutting the pieces. But once you get it down, if you know this board is going to be boom, 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 you just it's easy, man. It's not that deep. Are you still in Detroit right now? I am. being in Detroit until Sunday. I come. Here, I come here and I stay for a while now. I don't just be peeking in like I used to do. Back in the day, I would like pop in and then go back to work. Go, go back to work, boss. Now I'm like, man, this is work. So I get up and I hopefully get two dudes. So this is my strategy now. like I can't be sitting at the house all day with y'all painting. I'ma go get the materials. I'ma get two dudes. I'ma know what to expect because now I know how long stuff takes, which is a, that's a valuable in itself. Knowing how long it should take somebody to do a task is valuable. If you move in slow, that's a problem. But ideally, you don't. That's why I, over, I always overpay people. He wanted 75 bucks. to gave me 200 because that's just how I do. I always overpay people. I always I have a, a strong history of overpaying Black folks.
2: And it was still cheaper than um, what the other guy was trying to, to get you for?
0: That's a big part of the reason why I did it, Raphael. I was like, bro, like, you saved me so much money, you don't even know.
2: Yeah, I, it's funny because that made me remember, uh, I saw Seth Godin said one time, if you says focusing on saving pennies, focus on saving the dollars mm-hmm. and then you could spend other places, like get a massive deal and then you could spend extra money on other things. Like, so you got, a bi- you got the big discount instead of nickel and diamond here and there, you got the big discount and now you can afford to pay somebody 200 instead of 75.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And now they're happy and then they, they don't have to feel that like they got you for something, They're just happy they got paid. And yeah. you we were talking about um now you got the skills, how you bouncing back. I saw before Robert Kiyosaki said one time, only losers expect to always win. Mm. You know? And that's why they quick quick so fast.
0: Mm. That's then, a bar. That is a bar, Raphael.
2: Yeah. When I saw that, I was like, whoa, you said only losers expect to win all the time. That blew mm. my mind. Makes a lot of sense too. And you said you had a tweet where you said you have to get burned to learn. Yeah, I got that from that that uh
0: I got that from that interview, and it's just what I'm learning working with this project is uh, you got to get in burned and that burn is going to sting, but it's going to make you better. Um, that's it. Thankfully, I'm in a really, really good position. I'm building a house that I think I could sell for a good amount of money. Uh, it makes me really happy because I can make a good amount of money on this project. And who knew, who knew I'd be building something. But I think a part of it is quality, building something nice. And that's kind of what I do with everything. Like, I didn't realize that people were just kind of throwing together these rentals until recently, but like, I never throw together anything. We've always put a quality product on the market. And uh, that's just something I experienced. But, you know, I think that that could be another thing I think that losers do. It's losers. When they do get burned, they quit instead of like finding a better way. And so finding a better way and getting in the lab is what builds a lot of really, really good traders. It builds a lot of good investors. It builds a lot of good tenant or landlords. You start you start rehabbing with the mindset of I need to make this so that when they do fuck it up, what can I do? So the floor that we're putting in now and me knowing how to put it in, it's put it's going in with the mindset of I'm not putting carpet in here. I'm not going to let you guys ruin this. Yeah, it might be easy to put down and it might look good, but I'm not going to do that. And I'm also going to make sure I'm doing other things because once you get like, even like the, the pipes bursting, I didn't winterize the homes. I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. It was a big deal. <laughs> winterize <laughs> your home. Every pipe that could burst did burst. And it just wasn't, it, it's not fun because a pipe burst and you're just going to have a basement full of water you could have it's just bad you got to winterize your properties it's bad you might need to put a checklist together and make sure every property has been real winterized the water's been turned off and the water's been run out of the pipes and whatever has to be done but not winterizing your properties is a bad thing
2: Murphy's Law, anything that can go wrong will, and at the worst possible time. Now, yeah. you had a tweet where um, you were talking about it came from, uh, I think it was an Ash Cash video or something, interview. The guy said, We need a black Bill Gates more than we need a black president.
0: Say it again. You're asking me that tweet?
2: So, we need a black Bill Gates more than a black president.
0: Are you asking to talk about that? Yeah. Oh uh yeah that was an old tweet you know i got my hype fury going so my hype fury will retweet some old tweets that i put out there a fire mm-hmm. um i mean it's kind of self-explanatory it's really just reconditioning our minds to see the value in that space but i think it's it's really relevant now with this uh new black female supreme court justice has been elected or nominated so i mean shout out to her but that's accomplishment for her it's not an accomplishment for black people <laughs> Right. please believe me one part we can't be out here celebrating one person getting a job because like that doesn't move the needle for the culture at a, as a whole like yeah will it help shape policy and laws maybe but like still we don't need policies and laws like policies and laws shouldn't be the come up policies and laws aren't the come up that you think it is that's my phrase my favorite phrase it's not the come up that you think it is because the biggest and the best things in america are privatized they're privatized and so we got to maneuver without the government and that's how we're going to really win. So, I mean, that's going to look like some group work. That's going to look like some, some stuff like that, but that's what's going to really help us get there. Uh, what's funny
2: also is like, it's really not a win if they don't even promise you anything.
0: Yeah, that too. Cause Kamala got in office, no expectations.
2: It's funny when, A lot of people say politicians make all these promises and they lie about it and then they never come through. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, these politicians don't even make promises to us,
0: Yeah, which
2: is ridiculous. They just say, vote for us or you ain't Black.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or you ain't Black. Um, One thing I was going to say is, and this is really important, and one thing that he said is he said that the Black Bill Gates, that billionaire, is going to create 100 millionaires and millionaires. And that's why I always tell people is like don't hate on folks that you see doing something. Like instead of doing that, like become the person close. Become that number two, become that number three, become that number four, become whatever. Because if do you think that the number five person at Google is hurting for money, he's living good. The number five person at Twitter, the number five person at wherever, they're good. And so the hack is either being an entrepreneur or being very close within that circle. It's like that's the hack, but a lot of us don't know that. We're just like, oh, if I'm not the boss, I don't want to touch it. It's like the COO of Whole Foods is blessed. <laughs> these people, if you are executive level, if you're a corporate level, if you're a leadership level in these massive organizations, you're making more money than LeBron. Not, maybe not LeBron James, but maybe you're up there. You make more money than the average athlete. You make more money than the average rapper. You are. It's like uh Grant, Gary V says. He says that like the, the least paid, not the least paid, but like, let's say the 160th paid NBA player probably makes like $250,000 a year, something not that high. He was like the 160th ranked businessman hasn't yet. So right. it's like, we're, we're playing the wrong game. And if we if we knew the just the value of being in the room, man, if we knew the value of helping somebody become Bill Gates, if we knew the value of all those different things, and people still don't do it, people still don't do it. People still will not help you make money. They will spend your money. They will not help you make it though. That's the frustrating thing. It's like, man, help me make some money, y'all, please. Because if y'all help me make money, you know what I do? I'll be paying it to all y'all. You know how many people I pay? Tomorrow's the first. I pay a lot of people and they all black. Every single one of them is black. Every single person that I hire is black. I don't got nobody in my shop that's not black. And I pay a lot of people. I'm gonna have to spend a lot of money tomorrow. I'm not happy about it. I'm tired of spending money. Damn it! So tired of spending money. But like, that's what happens when you get to that space. You create black jobs, and it's, it's you don't even do it on purpose. It just like becomes a necessity. Like I, I need people. Of
2: course, to be the boss, man. Yeah, like um, that Prince Darnell video that he put out. He said, um, "Attach yourself to the visionary." Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like, um, what's that guy's name? Paul Allen. Dudes out there buying sports teams. Paul Who's Allen. People? Microsoft. See, even you don't know. Right, man. Never heard of him. Microsoft. Um, Portland Trailblazers. Seattle uh, Seahawks. Never heard of him. Oh, no? okay. Yeah, he was like number two. Is this, Am I thinking the right person? Yeah, Paul Allen. Yeah, on a couple of sports teams. Well, that name is Steve Ballmer, but Steve Ballmer was more like, uh, what was he, like CEO or something like that. He hmm. made good money. He was
0: just an employee. See? I'll be trying. Y'all think I just make shit up, bro. I, think I They think I just make shit up. I don't be making this shit up, y'all. Bill Gates, everybody knows Bill Gates, but Bill Gates' boys is balling. Bill Gates' boys on the Forbes list. Bill Gates might be topping the Forbes list, but his friends ain't tripping. Why do we? we, we're the kind of people, we're the kind of people we're like, if, I, if I'm not Bill Gates, then uh, I don't wanna be Steve Ballmer. That's the stuff we make, that's what you're saying. If I'm not, if I can't be Bill Gates, I don't wanna be the person Bill Gates is gonna make a billionaire. That's what they're, that's what we're saying, Raphael. Do you realize that that is what the statement is saying? When we are like, well, I don't want to work under you. I want to do my own thing. But what you don't realize is when you become that, when you become Steve Ballmer, guess what happens? Bill Gates works for you. Bill Gates is showing up, making that company a bigger organization, and you benefit. It becomes quid pro quo. So Ballmer helps Bill Gates, and Bill Gates helps helps Ballmer. That's what people don't understand. I'm not asking for anything I'm not going to give to you. And this is one of the things I'm trying to also help people understand is if I blow you up, stay. If I give you a platform and you become something big, do not run off and try to do your own thing. Bring that in-house and keep it in-house and then recycle that back within the family. And then it's going to be just this wash thing. That's That's what's supposed to happen. You can become bigger. I'm telling you, there's people who have gotten something from me, ran off, and they're smaller than me now. They were where I was at one point in time. They ran off and they're smaller than me now. People who are doing that now, they're running off. They're like, look at me. I got an options community. Look at me. I got an options course. I'm like, I ain't focused on that shit. I'm about to flip a fucking house a month soon. I'm flipping a house a month. That's a million dollar business. I'm over here about to build a tech company. That's a million dollar business. I'm like building a construction company. That's a million dollar business. I'm just building businesses. And y'all just over here, just like on my old shit. It, it happens. I'm telling you, people have taken the investment club idea with it, ran with it. And that's as small as they stayed." People have taken the current projects, they ran with, that's how small as they stay. Because for me, it's not a, I didn't, I didn't necessarily, the vision isn't that. The vision is so much bigger. And so I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not satisfied with whatever I did in the present. I'm still going, I'm still promoting, I'm still trying to build, I'm still looking at other things that I could do. Would you do the club again? Nope. Not in that capacity. There's some, I mean, honestly, the Voleo stuff was really awesome. Voleo stuff just allowed to do it itself, but I don't have the energy to do anything for free anymore. I don't, I got too much stuff that I get paid to do this. That's pulling me. I don't have the ability. I mean, outside of free media and free media is promotions to marketing. This is, this is, this is marketing y'all. We're about to start releasing some Patreon exclusive episodes. Um, and this might be one of them. I don't know. Are we going to have like Patreon exclusive little sound bites at the end? But we have to monetize. You want to We have to monetize because if we monetize, you get bigger, you get you're going to get better from us. If you invest into us, you're going to get better from us. It's just the truth, man. I would argue that my social media content has improved. I'd argue that the things that we're doing has improved. The sound quality has improved. Um, the cameras that we're using has improved. So if you invest your fifty bucks, it's—I it's, don't even say it, it's not. You're not giving us anything. It's an investment. We're such a small organization that all it's going to do is just going to go into improving the quality of what we bring to you guys. So make that investment into Tweet Talk. Make that investment in yourself because really, the better Tweet Talk is, the better you will be. Come on, y'all. I'm telling y'all, that's the way we as people grow. That you pour money into what we're building instead of pouring money into a Gucci's building.
1: Todd Consultant presents the vending machine business webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy and manage our vending machine business generating thousands per month and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio on Instagram at partner with Millie or on Instagram at Todd.capital. Or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital.
2: Get me started on that. It's funny I looked up uh, Paul Allen, co-founder of Microsoft. I mm. didn't realize he died in 2018. But when he died, net worth 20.3 billion.
0: Mm. Never mm. 20 billion dollars. You know what's crazy about being a billionaire, Raphael? Is I think that we as a community don't understand what a billionaire is because most of our billionaires are entertainers and athletes. Right. And so if you look at like billionaires, there are so many billionaires being a billionaire isn't as rare as we think it is. It's not as rare as we think it is firstly. And then it's also not as fancy as we think it is either. Like you can become a billionaire off of some boring ass shit. You you, you can become a billionaire off of some basic ass shit you can become a billionaire off of some obvious ass shit. It don't got to be some new novel this or that. Like, And that's what we're missing. We need to really break down what makes a billionaire. What, who's on the list of billionaires? Because you don't got to be an, uh, a rapper who is the best rapper in the world. You don't have to be an athlete who's the best, best athlete in the world. You might have to have the best product in the world, the best solution in the world. That's what we need. And if we knew that that's the past to billions, we'd have more ordinary Joe billionaires. Ordinary Joe billionaires, that's what I, we need more ordinary Joe billionaires and less LeBron James billionaires, less Dr. Dre billionaires, less Kanye West billionaires. Dope Kanye West. But we can't relate to that because their platform is based off of their fame. Therefore, the products that they can sell are based off of their fame. But there's a lot of people who aren't famous that are still billionaires, Raphael. And that's why that's what I do. I'm not looking at the stuff that I can't imitate. That is not intriguing me. I cannot imitate being the best rapper in the world, but I can imitate somebody who just saw a need and just started creating, somebody who thought did some stuff that nobody ever thought could be possible and just started doing it. Oh, electric cars, let's do it. Oh, this, let's do it. You want to know the thing that I was actually really impressed with and what kind of scared me is I saw this trolley, because where I'm at, there's a trolley that goes by. It's, it's, I think it's called the Q line. And uh, I saw in it this, this company, and it said like, shipped, S-H-I-P-T. And it's a tech startup, it's some company that's a startup. And what I realized is there's these VCs who are these old white people with money. And you know what they're doing? Is they're funding young white kids with ideas who are gonna shape the future. And I thought that is so smart because I always talk about that pairing of old resources with young energy and ideas. They're giving that to people and they're just out there just creating the new world. And they're gonna be the new billionaires. We need to create the new world man, I forgot what I was watching. And they were talking about that. Like, what are you creating? Oh, it was i I'm glad I, I thought of this. I was watching like a Steve Jobs interview. And it was like interposed with like a Kanye West interview. And basically Steve Jobs was saying that essentially the world isn't what we think it is, where you just have to like take what's given to us. The world actually is it's been built by people who are just people. Like the world as it exists was built by people who are just no no different, just ordinary people. And so we basically have the ability to do the same. We have the ability to say, to say this should be, and so I made it. And a lot of times we wait for somebody else to do that for us. I tell the story all the time, my friend who had the idea of the picture app. We're waiting for somebody else to create Instagram instead of saying, this should be, therefore I made it. What idea do you have that you think should be? What idea? I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but I mean, I've thought of some fintech apps. I've thought of some things. And then we just like get boggled down and you just like go back to the job. What should be that you can create, that you can make the world a better place that can then put you into billionaire status? Those two ideas connect. That's what I'm saying. That idea, whatever it is, I know a lot of us probably were like, man, Uber is cool. But imagine if Uber could bring us items from the store and we never created it. And now Uber does that. That's what a lot of us are slipping. We're just letting ideas just slip through our fingers because we're not executing and acting on it. Right,
2: right, right. It seems so silly until it's done.
0: Yep. But I mean, that's that. I think that comes to the territory, though. I think that is a part of the process for like. And so like Kanye gets laughed at all the time. I tell the story all the time of that time. When Kanye got online and he was like, I'm leaving Nike, F Nike, they won't pay me what I need to get paid. And there's a bunch of people on the internet like, well, you don't deserve to get paid. And why do you think they should pay you? And you aren't an athlete. You aren't Michael Jordan. You don't even play basketball. Why does somebody want to buy your sneakers? They had all the good reasons why those, the more good reasons why they have that you shouldn't do it. That's the bigger business you could grow. Why would you invest in Detroit? Look at this shit now. You look like a fucking genius. I wish we had more homes. I wish we bought more shelves we got. But the cool thing is, like, the world comes to you, man. There's so much that's happening out here. It's getting safer and cleaner, more prosperous. And we just look like geniuses. And it, t- it, it might take you a decade, two decades to look like a genius. Kanye mm-hmm. didn't drop the genius documentary as soon as he got signed. No, he waited a few decades. He was recording that in early 2000s. Right. Now, it I might meant- take you a few decades to look like a genius as the bar. Man, it's a bar. Woo! <laughs>
2: I meant to ask you earlier. Um, there was a stretch where you seemed to be pretty frustrated with Detroit. I don't know how serious you were, but you were talking about, man, I wish I could just get rid of this stuff. Now you seem to have changed.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I've been going through mood swings. <laughs>
2: I was going to ask you, like, what made what what made the change for you?
0: Now you're just making it.
2: Work. I mean, you were always making it work, but now you just like.
0: Uh, I think I think that probably is it. Just getting out here um i fired the contractor who was kind of pissing me off uh i don't know i think maybe just sometimes i think i think people and i I put out a tweet that was kind of similar to this and it was like i gotta stop expecting me out of contractors and employees and i think that was the problem is i'm expecting that people are going to show up and do work every single day and you know what i think changed my mind about it was those mexican contractors those mexican contractors came in They knocked out the stuff. They cleaned up behind them. And it's like working with good people made me happy. Working with bums who move slow, who miss deadlines, who don't show up, who overcharge. That is frustrating no matter what city you're in. But it was just very frustrating because I'm trying to do all this stuff. And it's like, man, this is crazy. And so I think that like even the dude that I work with today, like he was working, he was killing it, he was crushing it. Um, I had to push him a little bit, but he was good. And he got a lot of stuff done and he was going off to different rooms, knocking out different rooms. Like we knocked out that whole house today, getting stuff accomplished with good people, man. I think that changed my mindset. But when I was just like hitting the wall, having to call and get updates, like that was frustrating. It really, I think that's what it was. What changed is getting with people who actually could get shit done. And yeah, that was it. It's like, I just, when you have the, when you, it's yeah. I think that's what changed.
2: Okay, cool. You had a tweet where you said only buy assets that make sense.
0: Yeah, um, I've been looking at multifamily, which is like uh, to a lot of people, the holy grail of all assets, and it doesn't make sense to me. It used to make sense to me, but what I found is once something becomes popular, it becomes overpriced. And multifamily property is overpriced to the point that you can't even make money off the buy. If you can't make money on the buy, now you're just betting on speculation. And I don't want to take that ride on something that's multi million dollar valuation. I don't want to, if I, if, if, because they're so arrogant about it too, they're like, Oh, this is what it is. And if you don't want to pay this, then whatever. And so most of our family is attractive now, but I just, I I think it's bound for a correction. And if I'm wrong, so be it. Um, As interest rates increase and all that stuff occurs, I have a feeling that that the correction is going to happen. And I think that with under Biden, that is inevitably going to happen, but I just, I don't, I never just take what somebody online says is a good asset as like Bible or gospel. I always got to investigate it for myself. I always got to look and see if it makes sense for myself because a lot of times the people like the people online who are promoting multifamily that I've seen are the people that are selling multifamily because they're a real estate agent or people who are lending on multifamily because they're a lender, not the people who are actually investing in it and buying it and scaling it. And granted, there are a few people who are doing it, like the Eric Fridays of this world and they bought a really good deal. So kudos to them. But I just, it's, it's, I think it's overvalued. Granted, I will say that anything that comes through a realtor or an online listing is likely going to be not a good deal. (laughs) So multi-family could make sense if you can get it off market and you can get a good deal. But if you're buying anything on the MLS, it's a bad deal unless you can negotiate it. Right. There's always exceptions. Some people say you can find deals in the MLS. Some people say you can't. But a lot of times they're not willing to budge. Julian Gordon swears by it. the MLS. Oh no, not the MLS, uh
2: multifamily.
0: Oh, uh, he swears by multi-family, and he also but his multifamily is a little bit different. He's not talking about thousands of units, he's talking about like four to eight units type stuff, like small multifamily.
2: I know they also did a um him and this guy, Anthony Kimball, he's a former football player, they did a, a pro a crowdfund project in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I haven't checked in on that one. I got to see how that's going. Just checking. I didn't put money into that one, but.
0: Yeah. It's funny because like when you're doing real estate, sometimes it can be uneventful. Sometimes it can be like not a good time to be (laughs) in a deal. So it's like updating people can kind of be stressful.
2: Right. And it's like, it takes time. The real estate deals, the big ones take time. I mean, if you're in a syndication, it's like, you don't see money back quickly. Right, if you yeah. see if you see money back is like little money like monthly uh, from profits from monthly rents and stuff but if you're going to make money on these real estate syndications it's like 3 to 7 years or 3 to 10 years and i think a lot of our people who are new to this type of thing is like it's hard to imagine that putting money into something and waiting 10 years to get your money back because we also new to this man we got to learn other people have been doing it for so long so it's old news to them and you said, like, only buy assets that makes sense. Like, makes me think of crypto. Mm. It's kind of like you said, if, if you know finance, crypto doesn't already make sense. The worst part is that when you call it cryptocurrency, you can't really spend it. So what makes it a currency? And why is it that no matter how much they say um, the U.S. dollar is dead, it's still tied to the U.S. dollar? You got to use U.S. dollars to buy it.
0: I was telling somebody that. Uh, I think that crypto is just a, a ploy to get your real money. <laughs> <And it's laughs> otherwise, like, otherwise, we could all just mine it and it'd be easy to mine. I think it's just a ploy. It's like NFTs. And,
2: I mean, if there's something to it, it's going to be a while before. I mean, people there are ways to make money on it now. Like people do uh, DeFi farming and staking and all these kind of things. But, and that's getting money. You're getting money They're paying you money to use your money, almost like a bank, but it's really your money. But whatever. But you got to use real money to buy it. And it's kind of like that old saying, who made the money during the gold rush? The people who sold the picks and the shovels. Mm -hmm. Who's going to make
0: the money during the NFT rush?
2: So it's the Coinbase and um, even Robinhood. Crypto.com. Crypto.com. They're facilitating these transactions. They're making the money, man. Mm -hmm.
0: And we never talk about those like cryptos that get wiped out. There's a lot of stories about like cryptos that were like hyped up by promoters or hyped up by celebrities that like really went bust. There's probably more cryptos that went bust than anything else. So actually,
2: actually somebody's getting sued right now. I
0: forget who it is. Floyd Mayweather, I think. I think it's uh Soldier Boy. Oh wow.
2: Soldier Boy and somebody else are getting sued for being part of a pump and dump scheme.
0: Like yeah, you know, it's crazy out here it happens a lot i've even seen i've seen kim kardashian was a part of one of those too i mean it just doesn't i mean they, i don't think they're very intelligent in that space somebody just like tells them and i think that it kind of becomes like what everybody else is like and this is why i talked about this on instagram live i was like i didn't learn about stocks on youtube <laughs> i learned about stocks in college so my understanding of stocks is a little bit <laughs> a little bit deeper than like the average person. Like I understand the math that goes behind telling you what a stock should be worth. I understand different discount models. I understand different analytical models that tell you what a stock is worth. And none of that is relevant in crypto. None of it. None of it. And then I look at NFTs and it's just like, what are you guys doing, man? It's just, it's worth more just because they say it. I saw a, a interesting TikTok. And it was saying like what people will do is they'll start an NFT mm-hmm. and then they'll like publish it and then they'll buy it from themselves. So then they then they say, oh, I my I created this or it's this NFT we created it and then somebody bought it for this much money. But they were the person who bought it. And so people are always playing. It's like the greater fool theory. Like. The value is based on who's going to buy it next, not on the actual value. So you say, okay, this house is worth three hundred twenty thousand, or homes are worth three hundred twenty thousand dollars. Why? Because somebody paid three hundred twenty thousand dollars for Charles's house, and so now the neighbors are happy because the value in their house went up. Right. And so, like the NFTs, that's what they're banking on. Man, it's really it just turned one. It's just the, it's the first. It's the first. Oh yeah, man. Month. I forgot you in my time zone right now, man. Yeah. Let's wrap this up. I got to be back painting early. I got to get me some uh, some heaters because that house is cold.
2: I can imagine. Welcome to the East Coast. Detroit is not the East Coast. right?
0: We're super close to you guys, man. Detroit is really close to New York, actually. Really, really close. If you look. Either way, way it's cold. It's freezing. And it's like, you would think it would just get warm, but it's not. Like, nah, it's 30 degrees out here, fam. Enjoy. I'm like, bro, why is it still so cold? You don't got to be cold like that.
2: Just thinking today, like, spring is right around the corner. It's getting colder. It's actually colder now than was it was like a month ago. That's the way, that's the way it goes in, Year, like in this, this area. It gets really cold at
0: the very end of the season. Then it'll jump to really hot. Mm-hmm. Then it will even out. Yeah. But, yeah. California is weird right now. It's like really hot out there right now for some reason.
2: Only buy assets that make sense, people. Stock market has been around for over 100 years. There's plenty of experience out there. Books, videos, courses, all these kind of things. People, there's there's history. You kind of know what it's going to do. Crypto is so new, man. I really don't know. And I think people got to recognize these things for what they are. Like It's cool to get into it, but recognize it for what it really is. You're going to make money like staking and farming and all this kind of stuff, Like, right? recognize it what it is. It's an income play or a pump and dump or whatever it is. But don't say, you're not buying nothing with it. You're not. Mm. It's not a currency. It's built on I hype. like.
0: I like the term digital asset. That's what I like. I'm okay with calling it a digital asset or like a crypto asset.
2: You can't go to the store and buy a bag of chips with it. So, you know, it is what it is. Not that I'm saying don't ever buy it, but just know what it is that you're doing, start rushes to the hype. I feel like black people just jumping over steps. Like first let's get into the stock market and get strong there. Instead of jumping past the, like, the safe, not even safe, but the, the proven stuff. People are trying to jump over the proven stuff mm. to get rich quick. Like I'm not gonna buy a personal residence. I'm gonna buy, get me a, uh, a hundred unit building. I'm not gonna invest in index funds and stocks. I'm gonna get me some, some Bitcoin. Like, let's stop jumping over steps. Get rich first and then do that stuff. Anyway, we're gonna wrap this up. Episode 122 of Tweet Talk the Black Podcast with your host, Rafael and Charles. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tweet Talk Pod. That's P-O-D. Follow my partner Charles on Twitter at Real Todd Billion, because he's the only one. Follow myself, Raphael on Twitter at Work Money Life. Follow us on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Follow Charles on Instagram at Todd Billion and the parent company at Todd.Capital. Episode
1: 122, The King of Detroit.